You literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. And my, the people, we the people, are waking up. And we know what citizen's arrest is. Because citizen's arrests are already happening, okay? And every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. And you, doctor, are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Every single one of you have a smirk behind that little mask, but every single one of you are going to get punished by God. You cannot, you cannot escape God. You cannot escape God. I'm going to say that again. You cannot escape God, not even with the mask or six feet. Okay? Six feet, like I said before, is military protocol. You're trying to get the people to train them so when the, the cameras, the 5G comes out, what? They're, they're going to they're gonna scan everybody. We got to get scanned. We got to get temperatured. The kids have to go to school with masks. Are you insane? Are you crazy? I think all of you should be in a psych ward right the heck now. Because none of you, none of you know what the hell you are all talking about. Y'all crazy, bitch. What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air. If you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, Brian! Yeah, <laughs> Brian! Yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. And as right as I was getting in there to go, turn the mic on and go, my right ear on my headphone went out, which is... Terribly, terribly annoying, but I'm rolling now, so I'm going to let it keep uh, going for now and probably change it out before too long. Thank you for being here on the 8th of July, 2020, and um, I always think I know exactly what I'm going to do, and it changes quickly. I sat down to, uh, I mean, the gist of the show is going to be the same, but the uh, I sat down to open up the software and start to hit uh, go and make all the magic happen, as they say. And I pulled up Facebook and Twitter, which I have not looked at in several hours, and I have notifications from several different people. And I um, I pulled up Twitter first. It's Tab the Bales and Tony Burgess and intern Alex uh, and uh, Camille DiMatteo all uh, mentioning, tweeting me the uh, story that happened a little bit earlier today. Marion County Sheriff Coke stage collapses after hitting I-24 bridge. Uh, over in uh, Jasper, I guess it is. Intern Alex says, I know Stone on Air will be crushed. Uh, Camille says, your favorite stage. Then I find my buddy Travis over on Facebook had sent me the uh, link specifically. And then my friend, uh, who was it again now? Oh, Leslie Taylor, a uh, longtime friend, uh, tagged me in towboat carrying old Coca-Cola stage. Hits I-24 bridge in Marion County. And uh, that's hilarious because you look at the pictures. I mean, they smashed the damn thing right into it. And uh, the whole thing's basically dilapidated now. The The top of it's all caved in. How funny would it be if it was the old Riverbend, not the new Riverbend, which I don't know if they're ever going to be Riverbend again. But how funny would it be if it was almost time to move it here for the festival and it smashed into a bridge a few years ago? That would have made for a fun segment of radio or a podcast. I'm going to switch these uh, headphones out right now. Hang on.
All right, just a short, no big deal. Okay, let's see. So I, another thing to throw here right in the top, uh, and then I'll tell you what that front end is and then lay out the show. So I go to Brainerd Road, and uh, that's where I go to get my liquor because it's the closest to the house. It's not my favorite place to go for a lot of obvious reasons. There's certain pockets of Chattanooga that are not all that safe, and for a lot of different reasons and for a lot of different uh, racial issues and downtrodden poor issues and uh, overall macro things that I'm not getting into right now. Technically, the closest to my house in East Ridge is East 23rd, but I'm sure as shit not going there at night. And Brainerd, I like to stay away from there at night and go more towards the day, and it seems to be pretty calm for the most part. Well, I realized I was out of gin. It was 9 o'clock. It was time to record. So I darted over to my guys. I don't even remember the name of the liquor store. They're good. The dudes that run it, I love them. They're great people. And uh, most of the time, most people there are. They don't look like me, but that's okay. I can mingle with people who don't look like me. Well, today things were, there was a lot of uh, soliciting going on, lots of loitering. I mean, it's a Tuesday when I'm recording this. It kind of felt like a Friday. And there's this uh, black guy in front of me, looks pretty put together, doesn't look like he's homeless, doesn't look like he's mentally ill necessarily. Um, it just looks like a dude walking in the middle of the road as I'm leaving, in the middle of the parking lot, not the middle of the road, sorry, middle of the, middle of the parking lot. And I, I guess he didn't like that I was just behind him, but I mean, there was nowhere else to go because dude was in front of me. I wasn't being aggressive. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's like, whenever this guy moves, I'm just going to pull on out. It's kind of crowded. You got to move slow. Dude turns around. Looks, I don't know if he flipped me off, but he kind of put his hand up in the air like, what the hell's the matter with you, or get back, or something, and threw his drink, cup, ice, and liquid in it, all at the front of my car, and um, I just kind of flinched, like, whoa, what the fuck, and then I just slowly, calmly, didn't even gesture towards the dude, I mean, I don't, get me the hell out of here, um, I don't know, if nothing else, I just thought that was notable, worth mentioning, and, uh, yeah, there's just certain pockets you need to stay away from, and uh, and and we, we can have the greater conversation as to why that's happened after all these hundreds of years with the issues we have in our poor communities. But those aren't conversations I'm going to have right now. On the front end of that conversation I am going to have a little bit today is uh, the masks are now mandated starting on Friday the 10th. The front of that, uh, of the open, that's just some crazy person I found on uh, who knows where. That wasn't local. I just thought it was funny and worth putting out there. I will talk about the mask, what I think about them, and get some audio from the county county mayor, excuse me, Jim Coppinger. In the final segment of the show, if you are not a fan of Blind Melon, then you're going to have no interest in that segment. If you're somewhat interested in a rock and roll uh, short story demise that most of us at least have a little bit intrigue, I think you'll like it. And if you really enjoyed their music, and even if you didn't love Hoon that much because it's so long ago now, you might have even forgotten that you liked him. If you even like it a little bit, you're going to find the rock doc that uh, came out here in the last week or so, uh, all I can say, incredible. And I have 10 cuts from an hour and 45-minute doc Probably a total of maybe around 10 minutes, so not much, but just highlighting some of my favorite parts of that, and I'm just going to talk that on the way out in the third segment. So feel free to check out if that's not your thing. In the second segment of the show, I was going to go one of two different directions with this one, and I'll explain more once I get into the segment, but if you have heard about the Shuford's barbecue thing and the uh, the threats and the uh, social media bullying and then the cancellation of an order for the uh, Back the Blue, I think it's called, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. I'll get into that and um, not taking sides, not really even dissecting it all that much, just giving you kind of heads up 
or where that's at because I didn't know anything about it until the end of last week, and it didn't get a ton of traction. Maybe it did. I don't know. I'm on vacation this week uh, because I have to take a vacation eventually, <laughs> and I have three weeks of it, really 20 full days that I need to burn, and I'm in the seventh month of the year, and I haven't taken a day off yet this year. So I decided to take this week off for some personal stuff that I might get into later on down the road, but also just because, man, you got to use them eventually. So I haven't been on social media as much. My show sheet is just done on a piece of paper that I scratched out here in the garage, usually at work. I'm sitting at my desk banging out on a Word document, but that's um, that's where I'm at there. So I'll get into the mask here in a minute. First of all, though, we're going to start with today years old, coolest thing, and worst idea. I didn't have a today years old until uh, till I opened up my email today. And I was today years old when I found out that finally the Tennessee Titans have addressed the situation with their season ticket holders. And I am very pleased and my hats are off. Hats off now to the organization. And I will hopefully still now remain a season ticket holder for many, many years to come. But not this year. They're giving you the option to opt out. Whether they have some kind of lottery system for tickets and how many people do or don't. Uh, get allowed inside of the building Nissan Stadium in Nashville at this point it doesn't matter what decision is made you get the option to opt out for this year and roll over whatever you've already paid if you paid in full or whatever your situation is um, between you and the organization because they change the dates they've been working just like everybody else just it's every day you never know what's going to be happening and they're given the option to completely opt out and move on to next year thank you Titans because even if they do play I don't want to go. I got no interest in it. This year's done. I'm not going to Nashville four, five, six times this fall because it's not what I'm used to. It's not what I pay for. And that's a very cool thing for them to allow uh, the individual owners of the seats, the PSL owners, which paid a lot of money for those damn things, to have the option to do. Uh, Let's see. Today's coolest thing. Found this on a Twitter account. It's called, I don't know, Super 70 Sports or something like that. And it's just old clips, usually of football for the most part, but all sports, just, you know, Padres and Astros and, oh, not Padres and Astros, they were different uh, divisions, but A's and uh, and the White Sox in 1983, something like that. Well, this was a minute-long behind-the-scenes cut of uh, Dan Marino reading some kind of promo for the NFL and the uh, Dolphins, something along those lines. And I don't know what it was. Early 1980s, I thought it was pretty funny. It's today's coolest thing. You'll get round-trip airfare and tickets to a game, a complete uniform, and a chance to meet me. Stay tuned. I'll have details on how to enter, and we'll be announcing a winner later tonight. Okay, it's a little long, and I, I think you flubbed on that last Did not flub at all. No, it wasn't a flub. It was there was no fucking flub. flub. But, <laughs> it was not a flub. Uh, you want to see that playback? No, come on. Let's do it. Fuck it. Take three, 25-second version, and action. Hi, I'm Dan Marino from the Miami Dolphins. Welcome to Visa NFL Quarterback Club. I hope you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving day. Tonight, you'll get a chance to be my backup quarterback for a day. You'll get round-trip, airfare, and tickets to a game, a complete uniform, and a chance to meet me. Stay tuned. I'll have details on how to enter, and we'll be announcing a winner later tonight. Fuck it. Send it in. (laughs) Nope. I don't want to see shit. (laughs) I just thought that was great. And uh, we'll get to uh, Mayor Coppinger's audio and talk uh, mask mandate here shortly. First, 
It is today's worst idea, another case of red asses and scummy-sounding people yelling at each other in protest. I hate you. I hate this. I don't even remember what it sounds like because I put together a couple of days ago. It's today's worst idea. White lies are better. Karen! Come across the line, bad boy. Oh, bless it. Bless it's little hard. Karen, I look forward to sharing this. You are a gay, homosexual piece of crap that's going to burn in hell. Air that. I will. Where do you work, Karen? Because I think you're about to lose your job. Yeah. I'll be sure to reach out to him. Yeah, you're caught on tape saying white lives are better and fag boy. And <laughs> you're going to lose your job. I'm not, you know, I don't like cancel culture, but uh, that's going too far. And she indeed did lose her job. I love this new kind of Internet sensation, Karen. Everybody's a Karen if you're just a lame asshole. I don't really know the origins of that. More on that during the second segment of the show. All right, let's talk about uh, what the mayor did. The uh, Hamilton County mayor, uh, for some reason, it was his jurisdiction to make this uh, th- this mandate. And Memphis did it, and then Nashville and Knoxville. And so you knew Chattanooga was going to follow suit. This is Mayor Jim Coppinger. After much thought and consideration and consultation, I've asked Dr. Paul Hendricks, our health officer with the Hamilton County Health Department, to mandate a wearing of facial coverings or masks. This mandate will be effective on Friday, July the 10th at 12.01 a.m. The decision to mandate that mask um, is due to the increase in the numbers of the active cases that we have, the hospitalizations in our community, uh, as well as the uh, patients in our ICUs. One of the things that is unprecedented about this pandemic is that across the country, sweeping, no matter what the situation is, what industry it is, what business it is, what city, what community, it's all done by follow the leader. It's not done by any, well, it's done by plenty of, of statistics to a certain degree. There's a lot of it, though, that is quite arbitrary, which is annoying to me. But whoever, you just kind of wait around and see who does something first. And then you follow along, whether that's good or bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's the way this goes. So you knew once the other three major cities were doing it, so was Chattanooga. It just uh, took a little bit longer. Uh, Mayor Coppinger goes on to talk about what is his goal with this mask mandate. By taking this action, we're hopeful that we'll minimize the numbers of active cases, the numbers of hospitalizations, and certainly uh, the numbers of ICU And also, we think that we will help our businesses to become more successful by being more uniform in the way that uh, we are requesting masks to be worn. Our economy cannot afford another interruption, and I am committed to avoiding one. That's the only thing that I can say, okay, all right, I got it. That makes sense. 
I don't believe that that was Mayor Coppinger's original thought. I think that's a task force amongst uh, the entire country and governors and leaders of smaller communities, bigger communities. I think that's kind of something being passed down, that if you say you're doing it to try to help business and you can convince people of that, then people can jump on board. And I, I think it makes enough sense to say, okay, I get that part. I do. It's tough to have one business operate in a certain way and another a different way and certain uh, other entities another way. And that's part of the problem we're having as a country. The The president just pretends like it's not there anymore. And I, I don't know what he should or shouldn't do, but that's we don't have anything blanketed across the country, which I'm fine with state by state. I really actually am. I'm not a strong, huge states rights guy, but I certainly think it's important. And if now all uh, venues and restaurants and bars and clubs and shops all know what the regulation is, they can all at least attempt to have a semblance of following that uh, mandate. And that's all that it is, is a semblance. But the most important thing to me is we get these goddamn kids back in school, all ages, children, teenagers, high schoolers, college students, if they want to stay enrolled and however they do it, I'm not as worried about them because they're adults. Kids need to be in school. Furthermore, we want to help our public school students with the opening of our classes on time. Our students need to attend schools face-to-face -face with their teachers, interact with their classmates, and ex have the whole experience of growing up. But our only chance to make these things happen is to be able to minimize the spread of this extremely contagious disease and virus that is in our county. I was on the way to feed this weekend to grab a bite with my brother and they sorry craft works, but I figured you weren't working on a Saturday and their newspaper was sitting out front and I took it. And I sat down and above the fold to the right, the headline is Department of Education, Tennessee anticipates learning loss due to closures. Huh, yeah, you think? I mean, it's amazing how stupid, stupid, stupid children are, generally speaking, because all the obvious reasons, they're not interested in learning, you know, their children, all that stuff. None of that's new. But if they're not soaking in as much information as possible, this is not going to go well. And we're going to have a generation of kids that really are behind. They got out two months before they were supposed to. And even during that two, three week time frame of, oh, my God, oh, my God, we're all dying of a pandemic. What do we do? They weren't learning anything then either. They were barely even into this. Well, I don't know, maybe a couple of months in. I'll just read the, the uh, first couple of paragraphs. As school districts prepare for the potential return class to the classroom this fall, educators are expecting many students to come back not performing at grade level. Yeah, again, you think? You know, stop the presses. Shocking news. Kids that get out two months before they're supposed to get out of their grade didn't learn much at the end anyway and aren't going to remember it as they have an extended summer of sitting around the house and doing nothing all day long. They're not retaining information on a regular basis anyway. I think it's absurd we even have three-month summer vacation. School should be year-round, which is a couple of weeks off here and there. I guess when there's not a pandemic. I do understand how longer breaks are better for that situation. But an overall worldview, I think year-round school makes a lot more sense. One more paragraph here. The education nonprofit group, NEA, Northwest Evaluation Association, said the drop this year could be much worse because of school closures this past spring amid the coronavirus. In a report released in April, the nonprofit predicted students could lose, could lose as much as 50% of their new math knowledge before classes are scheduled to resume this fall. And if they're losing 50% of what they learned last semester 
and potentially, you know, that's obviously can go up or down from that number as it's just a study. But then you also have some kind of jacked up, learn at home, untraditional start to the fall. These kids are going to get into a full year of their life and not learn a goddamn thing. And that's that's important for the, the generations going forward. We don't have a bunch of numb nuts walking around. So anyway, enough about that. The mask. All right, here's the deal. I think it is an absolute optical delusion. I don't think anybody is actually doing this in a super safe way. When I am in the presence of people, mainly employees wearing masks, just watch them. They're, they're putting their hands all over them. They're taking them off. They're not wearing them right. It is an optical delusion, but that's fine. I'll play along. I do kind of like the uniform nature. I believe it will help business at least be more efficient. And I've got a nice little super soft thing that doesn't look cool because masks look dumb no matter what they are. But it's not that uncomfortable. And if I'm going to go out in public, I will wear it. And if I don't want to go out in public, I won't go out in public and I won't wear it. And if I really don't feel like messing with it, I live five minutes from North Georgia I'll go drinking at a Buffalo Wild Wings on 2A or something like that. Or if I need a Home Depot or I need a, uh, what, a Dollar General or a IHOP or a Sonic, whatever it is, I'll just go to 2A if I really don't feel like using it. So I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be pissed. My liberal friends are so mad at me because I won't jump on board with this mass saves lives thing. If you want to wear it, if you think it's important, I applaud you. And I do uh, understand that it makes the situation, you know, some semblance of safer, but I just don't think it's that unsafe to begin with. And it's just too politicized for me. It is not a coincidence that virtually every person I know that's a, that's a, a strong left liberal or Democrat at all is all for the mask wearing and uh, pushing it and a constant advocate for it. And it's not coincidence that most, if not all, my conservative Republican friends don't really care about it. It's not a coincidence. It's politicized. It is a optical delusion. But I won't be mad, and I won't make a scene, and I'll follow the rules, because that's just the kind of guy I am. Hey, speaking of politicizing things and a mess of a world we live in, what in the hell happened with this Schufer's barbecue? Who was behind what? Why were people mad? I will try to make sense of it. Coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. One local business received backlash this week after they say they were falsely accused of making a political statement with the Back the Blue rally. Owners of Schubert Smokehouse say organizers of today's Back the Blue contacted them to order food for the event. Schubert says they accepted the job because they believed it was another opportunity to offer their catering services. Once it was publicly known they took the job, the business says they have been harassed and threatened on social media. Schubert says they canceled the order because of threats to burn down their business. Pretty sure this song is called I'll Get By. I know it's by Michael Kiwanuka. Didn't write it down, I forgot. African uh, African Londoner? Is that what you call a black guy in the UK, in uh, London? It's from over there anyway. I think it's uh, I'll Get By. Let's see. I'll get along. That's what it is. I'll get along in a little while. Ray LaMontagne and Michael Kiwanuka. 
both have two of the coolest last names you will ever say. La Montaigne and Kiwanuka. Welcome back into the show. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Um, at least I don't. That's not my goal anyway. Um, because these kinds of subject matters can be just so overblown and, and people can just lose their bleep on online so quickly. And I'm just not interested in going down those roads. I am interested in t- touching on and discussing things that are relevant, and this is very relevant. I was originally going to have, his name is Cameron Williams, on the show. Talked to him at length on the phone last week, and it was a very good conversation. And I wanted to have it again on the show, but our schedules are completely opposite. And he, quite literally, is out demonstrating virtually every night on a small scale, on a bigger scale. He's doing something, maybe not every single night, but it's pretty damn close. And he's got uh, mornings free, and I'm busy in the morning because I'm asleep, generally speaking, especially when I have the uh, week off. I'm going to sleep in. I ain't getting up early for nothing. So I decided what I would do is pull some clips from his Facebook page because he has kind of become the leader of the Black Lives Matter movement here in Chattanooga. Now, it's there's not a chapter, per se, for the Black Lives Matter, but there is an organization that he is certainly, at least the, the, the mouthpiece, uh, I, I Can't Breathe Cha, I Can't Breathe C-H-A. And he's been on some radio shows. I've seen uh, lots of live clips. He, he goes live on his Facebook page virtually every single day. And if you just sample it, kind of, if you just barely take a listen and you don't give it a little bit of time, it can come across uh, poorly. Even if you do give it a lot of time, time, it can come across potentially poorly. But if you get the whole message down and you talk to him one-on-one, a lot of what he says makes sense, and he's not a dumb person at all. He actually has a lot of thought into what he's doing and passion what he's doing, and I respect that. So what happened was, what, a week and a half ago or so, there was a rally called was it back the blue i think much smaller scale than much of the other demonstrations it was just a bunch of basically white people who were having a a, 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 i don't know if fundraisers not what you call it just an awareness gathering in support of local law enforcement and on just on its face value just a quick throw that out there what could possibly be wrong with that especially as white people would say what could possibly be wrong with that and i would still even answer that nothing is wrong with that. Well, what happened is because of the mania that is social media, it got turned into Shuford's Barbecue donated food for this rally. And that was not the case. It was not donated. Now, whether that's important or not is up for debate, but that was not factual information. And the Black Lives Matter movement did not... Um, did not take kindly to that. And I know your first thought is, well, screw them. What, we can't demonstrate, but they can? I understand where you're coming from on that. First, we'll hear from um, Shuford's uh, uh, owner, Madison Davis. She um, she spoke with one of the news stations. I had a close friend get a hold of me, uh, a, a close friend of them, and a friend, you know, a friend of mine say, hey, I want to see if they want to come on your show too. They weren't interested in talking anymore. They had talked all they wanted. They didn't want to do it. So, um that turned into a lynch mob online, which what's the reoccurring theme around here these days of lynch mob online of threats uh, against the um, against the the, uh, the restaurant by phone. Supposedly, I don't know this for a fact, but supposedly and I know for sure it was on Instagram and Facebook and everything else, because that's where all the, the vermin are. And it, it, it turned to be pretty nasty to the point that they turned down the offer 
to uh, to fulfill this catering order, a thousand dollar catering order. They were not donating this. This was just a transaction. This is uh, Madison Davis of Shuford's. It was not donated. Um, it, is, it was not a reflection of our opinions, our political views. It was literally just a business transaction. And I think that's where the misunderstanding comes in. We've never discriminated on what jobs we take. If someone comes to us with money, wanting to buy food, we're not going to turn away money because we are a business and that's what we're trying to run. Fair enough answer, certainly. Um, just on his face value, nothing wrong with that, right? I, I don't think so. So let's now jump to Cameron Williams. He, uh, as I mentioned, a very, very interesting guy. I'm just going to play one of the clips from his many, 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 many Facebook uh, video, live videos he makes, and he puts them out there to the public so I don't feel that there's any uh, I'm treading on anybody wrong or inappropriately here by playing them on the uh, on the podcast. This is just an idea of just kind of, I mean, he's he's having fun with it. He'll get serious and then he'll goof around a little bit. He's just he's just keeping it real and just talking to uh, to the people, the power to the people. And uh, here's just a little taste of it. Beautiful day to fight racism is a beautiful day to fight fascism is a beautiful day to love black people. So that's just what I'll do. That's nice, ain't it, boy? Uh, but like I was saying before the video cut off, man, I'm going to be brief. Power to the people. Bring your body out to Miller Park tonight. We'll see you at uh, 7 p.m. Get there early, cuz. Show the people, show the ops that you care about fighting racism. And this fight really means the world to you. And you'll go down swinging. It's a beautiful day to fight racism. It's a beautiful day to fight fascism. It's a beautiful day to love black people. So that's just what I'll do, boo boom It's a beautiful day to fight racism. It's a beautiful day to fight fascism. It's a beautiful day to love black people. So that's just what I'll do. So he has daily uh, videos, and they probably equal in hours of, of combined length. So I will tell you more about the conversation I had one-on-one -on -one with Cameron after this clip. This is... Shortly after the social media buzz was hitting about this $1,000 catering order going to the back of the blue and what he was telling his people on his social media pages. And let's, let's just make it clear. Shuford's Barbecue is what they're talking about. Now, I ain't, ain't going to dignify them with their name no more. We're not, let's, let's not make this movement about trivial situations. White people hurt feelings because they got called out for being racist and now their business people are not patronizing their business because they said some racist shit and we called them out fuck that shit first of all we're not gonna make the movement about this trivial ass shit it's about the oppression of black lives for 400 plus years that's what this is about we're not talking about these businesses that's mad because they feelings got hurt yeah a lot of uh, people still are having a hard time understanding the black lives matter movement is about systemic racism over the you know generations over centuries it's not about a bigot in uh you know on sand mountain right? we all know they're there that's not what we're trying to fix i mean i guess in a perfect world you could but that's that's not the point that's not what it's all about and it's difficult for a lot of people to understand it's been difficult for me to understand uh, at so at certain times and i put out on facebook that i needed to talk to some i want to talk to somebody close to that situation but i would delete any comments because i'm not here for a public conversation i just want to talk about it privately so i can then in, in turn do this podcast and one of the first responses i got was from somebody i know pretty well that said 
your friend to threaten to burn down Shuford's if they fulfilled that catering order for the Back the Blue rally movement. And uh, the first thing I, I, when I talked to Cameron, I said, uh, let me just tell you that. And I told him that. And I said, first of all, when I responded back, I said, I ain't never met the guy, let alone is he my friend. And uh, something tells me that's not true. And he laughed and laughed. He said, of course I didn't do that. And he's, uh, his message is always nonviolent. But it is brash, and it is uh, in your face, and it's matter of fact, and um, it's, I'm angry as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. And so while I'm sure there were plenty, plenty of threats, quote-unquote, pri- probably primarily through Facebook and Instagram, most of the cases these have been pulled down, that's not what Cameron Williams himself was doing at all. And he believes that this organization the Back the Blue and anybody involved with it was a racist movement. And I was a little confused and maybe still am a little bit, but I said, okay, what about this is racist? Help me, I don't understand. And he said, do you think that this would have happened if it weren't for our movement? Well, the answer is, of course, I don't think, and nobody would. To him, to the movement, right or wrong, I'm not here to judge that. That was a specific, what you're doing doesn't matter and what you're trying to uh, the message you're trying to get out there to clear up the ignorance of of American culture is insignificant and you shouldn't be doing it so if this is a movement that you're involved in that you're passionate about that you're the you know the kind of the de facto leader well then I can understand why seeing this kind of gathering as being an anti what you're doing and what what you're doing is uh, trying to end racism and somebody is anti what you're doing, I can understand that mindset. And I walked away from that conversation after we had a very, I believe, quality conversation said, I get it. I get it. I, I, I don't think everybody will. Actually, I'll take that back. I know everybody won't understand that. But I do understand. I also understand that Shuford's is an American-owned business, mom and pop generational business that has had tough times because one of their stores had to close because of a condemning uh, down at Signal Mountain where the uh, the collapse of the hill uh, it's, uh, dilapidated the building. So, I mean, it's one of these, I get all the moving parts. I get why people are mad. I get why people are sad. I get why people feel oppressed. I get why people feel like people are full of bleep. I get it all. And I wish more people would take all those things into account before they just run off to a social media Facebook and Instagram primarily, and just blow it up from both sides. The uh, BLM, BLM types and the, uh, you know, the co- all cops matter types or whatever they're, blue lives matter types, both just lost their you know what. And I, nothing ever good comes from that. Two more clips. We'll get out of here and then have some fun with Blonde Melon and the Shannon Hoon story on the way out. This is just a little bit more of Cameron Williams' Facebook page. Uh, but, you know, we ain't mad. You know what I'm saying? We go, we go keep doing what we do, how we do it, when we do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel sorry for for y'all and your people that y'all gotta do all this shit trying to get back at the movement. But we you know we go, we go do what we do, when we do it. You hear me? And that's just that old nat. I just want to encourage my people: continue to call out racism when you see it. Don't you ever be shamed, bullied. Or victim blamed into being silenced. Power to the people because the people got the power. And this is the final one I'm going to play. And it is something that I 
absolutely, positively, completely agree with Cameron Williams about. When have you ever seen pushback on public art projects? If they if they have to do with black issues, then there's pushback. Otherwise, there's no pushback. How many statues, how many bullshit-ass statues we see downtown? Market, uh, Market Street, yeah. East Main Street, West Main Street. Has there ever been any motherfucking bitching about those public art pro, uh, 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 projects? Hell no. How many how many times has the artist that we paid seven, how many times have he done murals on these blocks that people love and adore? Now that it's, now that it's Black Lives Matter, it's a problem. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And that's just one of the examples of the angles he comes from that a lot of people don't think about. Nobody's going to sit around and think about, oh, yeah, public art. Think about all the different public art that's funded and and everybody just kind of says, oh, hey, look how neat that is. But the Black Lives Matter painting on the street. Oh, now we got a problem. Why is that? So anyway, I'm not here to say who's the absolute most correct and the absolute most wrong and fixing world peace and racial division with this, you know, now 15 minute segment. I just thought it was worth uh, a, a segment on this show. And I thank Cameron Williams for his time on the phone last week because he did reach out to me personally after I put out the inquiry to talk to people who were close to the situation. I didn't reach out to him. He reached out to me. And uh, thank you, Cameron Williams. See, Grimy is his alias. All right, let's have some fun on the way out the door. Shannon Hoon died of a uh, drug overdose. What's the math on that? Is that 25 years, 1995? It sure as heck is. And I will give you my thoughts on the man and the band and some cuts from the rock dog coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. This photograph right here, which is in the uh, Nico packaging, is interesting because I think I was at the hotel with the band and the tour manager. And Shannon was late to come down for lobby call and the tour manager had to get the rest of the band to the airport we were going to Heathrow and had to get the rest of the band to the airport get everybody checked in you know a couple hours ahead of time that whole thing and you know the tour manager has a lot of stuff to deal with and he wanted really to get to get going and Shannon was like yeah yeah I'll be down in a minute like half hour goes by you know another 20 minutes go by no Shannon so Paul the tour manager looks at me and says here's Shannon's passport just make sure that you guys get to the airport. I'm gonna go and start to check, check us all in. And I was like, uh, okay, I'll take, I guess I'll take that responsibility. So I have Shannon's passport, I have my passport, and we hop in this cab, you know, one of the classic London black cabs, and we roll off to the airport. And um, of course, while he was uh, sitting there, I, you know, I started taking photographs, and this is the one that ended up in the packaging. And, and this is what I love about these these moments, like the real moments. Like this was not a photo shoot. This was, you know, two guys traveling, you know, to the airport and, and documenting. And that's what's the power of the document. It's so simple, but it's uh, it's still effective. That is a great Danny Clinch, the guy basically behind the idea to put this film together. One of four directing credits. One also goes to Shannon Hoon himself. He carried a camcorder with him virtually everywhere he went between 1990 and 1995. And I was debating with myself what song to use. Should I use No Rain? Should I use Tones of Home? Should I use Change? 
something that everybody knows. And I thought, no. If we're going to have that intimate of a moment from Danny Clinch, we're going to have an intimate song. If you know this song, you love this band. It's a cutting room floor song called Soul One that ended up on the Nico Blue record that came out after Shannon's death. So good. was the sun the sky blue eyes she was my soul one and really in 1995 I wasn't old enough to understand who my favorite band was going to be yet I didn't know who I was going to idolize for the rest of my life yet now the leader in the clubhouse in late 1995 was Ed and Pearl Jam but that, that fate hadn't been decided yet. It could have been Shannon. It could have been Blind Mountain. The woulda, coulda, shoulda situation. And by now you know what I'm talking about. The Rock Doc from Danny Clinch. You should watch it if you have any interest whatsoever. If you don't care or don't hardly know, it probably will bore you to death, as will this segment. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time going back and kind of rehashing all that. Uh, By now, you know where my love is for this band. I love uh, the first record, as everybody did. I think Soup was incredible. The second record, which was only out about two and a half months before uh, Shannon OD'd on a uh, tour bus. I believe it was in Chicago. I might be wrong on that, but it was in the fall of 19... 95, and then the Nico Blue album, which is named after his daughter, who was just like three months old at that time, was just all the leftovers. And damn, was it so good, too. We'll jump off uh, right off the page here. Just the open. I just jotted these down literally on a Charles Schwab uh, unopened piece of mail that probably has account information telling me how much money I've lost since uh, March that's why I haven't opened it yet. It just says Blind Melon 1. This is the open. Oh, and I put a, on a note. This is uh, him with his video camera recording him doing the vocals for uh, No Rain. All I can say is that my life is pretty plain. I like watching the bottles gather. And all I can do is just pour some tea for two And speak my point of view But it's not sane It's not sane Did you get it, Rick? Hi, I'm the cameraman. I'm the one that's not getting video that much because I'm making sure that everybody else has priceless video footage for the future. I always love seeing photography, audio, especially stripped down audio of the recording process. It is I've done it once in my life, recorded uh, track recorded a, a three or four songs about 10, 11 years ago. It's very tedious. It's very difficult. And it's um, it's very fun, and to get it captured in any way always fascinates me. A lot of people probably forget if uh, the uh, "Don't Cry" video from uh, Guns N' Roses 
had uh, featured Shannon Hoon as background vocals and on the video. Well, why did that happen? Well, it turns out that Axel's, uh, or excuse me, Shannon's sister went to high school with Axel Rose in rural Indiana. And they were friends, and they stayed connected when he went out to L.A. and started to become a star. And Shannon was on his way to L.A. Because of that connection and his incredible voice, he invited him to be on the uh, Don't Cry track and video. It's Shannon! It's Shannon Hoon, the singer for Blind Melon, the guy from the Guns N' Roses video. Hey, aren't you that guy from the Guns N' Roses video? Yeah! That's you, man? Yeah! Speaking of your whole deal with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And don't cry with us. It's, it's something that's completely separate from Blind Melon. See, our music and Guns N' Roses music is completely different. Holy man! This is a clip from a hotel room versus some clips uh, from MTV is what it sounds like. And it's the guitar player, Roger Stevens, talking to Shannon while he was holding the video camera. The best mind candy to thread the cutting edge. They may not hail from Seattle, but Blind Melon is destined to be one of the new Nirvanas. <laughs> I, I came here with grand delusions of, of backstage groupies. And look where I am, I'm in the hotel. I've been eating chocolate chip cookies. I can't you know, and I ended up hanging out with Shannon once again in a hotel room. It was, it was lame. <laughs> Good night, Rog. Good night. Roger Stevens, a guitar player. Yeah, destined to be one of the next Nirvanas. What could go wrong when people are expecting that uh, expectation? This is kind of where the no rain hysteria picks up. put that in brainwash rotation uh it was not an exaggeration it was a staple on radio and mtv and an international uh success and what would end up proving to be a one-hit wonder in the technical terms yes but the core fans for a couple of years there were there for all of it uh the mainstream might not have been i wasn't old enough at that time in real time to be able to gauge that this is one of my favorite clips I found, or I, I noted as I was watching the film, is uh, I'm a Neil Young guy, and I had no idea that there was any connection with Neil Young and Blind Melon until I watched this. And this is Shannon, and I think, I don't think it's Rogers, I think it's the other one, and I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, talking about they're on tour 
with Neil Young. I got to guess it's 1994. Everybody what does that sound like? Why, that sounds like Neil Young playing my acoustic guitar. The value of that guitar is increasing exponentially right now. moments when you're watching someone play and everything is perfect to the point where you're so overwhelmed that you fucking you're you just you get all emotional and your eyes tear up and shit oh yeah man last night i was neil was get, getting ready to play helpless uh man he did i mean there is a tent right when he started man my eyes just went whoop really? rolled right back in my head man i was fucking wow. i was t i was tied he was healing me there is a town in North Ontario. I mean, it's just, it feels good to, have to know that that still exists. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that people can still give those kind of feelings to other people. Oh, I love that song, Helpless, from Neil Young. I remember being 16 years old, leaving Glen Jean Deli, the, uh, where I worked, the manager of the restaurant, her hippy-dippy boyfriend, guitar playing, you know, American flag flag bandana around his head, wearing type, had me over, and I brought my guitar, and we were jamming on uh, many different songs, but one of his favorite Neil Young songs was Helpless, and I just so happened to know how to play it. It's a pretty easy song to play on, on guitar. I don't know about piano, but... There is a town north Ontario, so I thought that was... Very, very cool. And uh, I don't know if it was 94, 95, but somewhere in there, they, uh, the band Bly Mellon was on the cover of a Rolling Stone, and the uh, publication wanted to have just Shannon and wanted to have a majority of the focus on Shannon, who now that the story might have still been a majority focus on Shannon. And at first, he was kind of buying into it, like they wanted him just alone, and the rest of the band was having absolutely none of that. Today was a day early this morning where Shannon finally realized that he was the driving force behind the band and was going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone because he deserved it. Then after discussing it with the end of Brad's bass, Brad decided that that was no longer the case. All for one, one for all. Shannon finally decided that uh, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. Today was the day that Shannon Hoon finally realized that the four of us are always right and he's always wrong. It's <laughs> as simple as that. I gotta hear what this Brad, guy's don't be so fucking throwing the bass at that camera there, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Stone. Such a cool portion of it. It was in a like a house party. Looked like there was cousins and moms and aunts and all kinds of family members, and they're all cutting up and singing that old uh, song. That was really really cool. Of course, the cover, if you remember, was all five of the band members on the front naked and just positioned where you couldn't see anything. With Shannon in front, with his hair in uh, pigtail braids. I remember it very well. As a matter of fact, I likely still own it. This was really, really quick on one of their tours at some point. I don't remember when. Mr. Jagger and Mr. Watts would like to meet the band if we're not busy. And um, 
you know, they just so happened to catch us at a time when we when we really weren't that busy. <laughs> so meeting the Rolling Stones, which I had read about in the past, obviously is the uh, thrill that we would all imagine that it is. Only got three cuts left here, and then I'll wrap up the show this week. This is one towards the end of the film that kind of begins to give you the realization that he's becoming to be a little bit wayward. The success had already apexed. The new record was in the works. And rock stardom isn't exactly what it used to be. Tuesday, 9.43 p.m. Shannon, this is Lisa again. This is the third time I called you. Wondering where you're at. Um... I was trying to get a hold of you. Um, didn't get talked to you for the last couple of days at all, really. If you're around, you can call me later tonight. End of message. Hello, it's Chris Jones. Just thought I'd call and uh, see if you were still alive today. We're up to uh, 1.1 million records sold. So just thought I'd give you a little bit of business news so you can feel great today. That's it, brother. Shannon, it's your mom. Just calling to say hi. Talk to you later. Been trying all day to get you. This is about the millionth time I've called. Um, I don't know where you could be. Um, I'm not gonna call you anymore. You can call me. You know. Bye. And these aren't long-lost tapes of phone calls and voicemails that they found. This is him recording with his camcorder listening to the voicemails. It's just such an interesting perspective to have of uh, what, in the end, seems to be quite the tortured soul, Shannon Hoon. I never thought about it this way. Songs like Tones of Home, Change, and Soak the Sun, and maybe a couple others have a little bit of a religious, spiritual nature to it. And he was talking to somebody on the phone about that. And final question, I've noticed that uh, religion has been a heavy theme uh, in your music, songs like Soak This, Soak this In, Holy Man, Change. Um, is this something that, that affects you deeply? <laughs> I believe that, um, I believe in God, I don't believe in religion. I mean, everybody finds themselves sitting around talking to someone at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I get tired of talking to the mirror every now and then, yeah. I thought that was very interesting to hear. I don't create my opinions of people on what they believe, but I am usually interested. And as I wrap things up here with the final cut, this is on the front end, him filming when his daughter was born just months before he died, and then just splice at the end a little bit later on when he is sitting in front of the TV with his daughter, Nico Blue, finding out some very, very depressing news with his daughter in real time. You've had a pretty busy day, haven't you? I see Dad. Hi. Hi, baby. She's the last name's Hoon, H-O-O-N. Okay. Are we recording? I can hardly see them. Let's peek out at your mom. Oh, wait, get your hand out of the way. So you can, so. Hi. You're a daddy now. Say hi. This is the face of a very tired, breastfed baby. Jerry Garcia was found dead today. And she will now never be able to go to the Grateful Dead show. Oh, I'm very sad about that, aren't we, little baby? And it wasn't long after that that the realization would be that his daughter would never go to a Blind Melon show. 
either. This is from, let me pull it up, uh, uprocks.com. It's a very nice uh, overall review and just retrospective of the band online. I uh, would suggest you read. I'll just read one portion of it and be done for this week's podcast. Anyone who comes to All I Can Say will know how it ends. In the film, Hoon's demise is foregrounded. The point is to show the person that Hoon was behind the broad strokes of his Wikipedia entry. A former jock from Lafayette, Lafayette, however they say it there in Indiana, who fell into drugs and petty crime and then escaped his dead-end hometown for a relatively rapid stardom in Los Angeles, only to see that status disintegrate with similar quickness as the music industry moved on to another generation of bands. Just over three years after the release of Blind Melon's platinum-selling album, buoyed by one of the decade's most famous one-hit alternate wonders, No Rain, Hoon was a rock casualty. It's a story as old as time, or at least as old as Tom Petty's Into the Great Wide Open. Really good stuff from UproxX, com. If you're still here, as I usually say, I love you to death, and I appreciate you listening to me ramble on. There is just so much of the years 1992 to 1995, maybe more like 93 to 96, that Blind Melon was the soundtrack of so much of my incredibly fun youth. And it is a joy of music. It's it's different than many other bands from that time frame because, I guess, of the uniqueness that it is such a short period of time. I know Nirvana was a short period of time, but that was that was different. You know, that was culture changing. That was that was something everybody experienced. And in this situation, I know many people who experience the same kind of feelings, but just not on the same level as the as the Nirvanas or any other band that didn't last all that long. It was a wild two and a half, three year ride for that band, which I didn't even realize, certainly not at the time. But that music was in the background of so many incredible things and so many memories that I still have more than almost any during that stretch. And man, I love that man and I love that band. And uh, hopefully you enjoy this segment. All right, we're 20 minutes in, which is way too damn long to focus on a band that hasn't been around in 25 years. That only had a three-year existence to begin with. I will leave you with the much more popular and well-known and incredible song, Change from Bly Mellon. Love you to death. Talk to you again next week. See you later. Bye.